Paul begins his travel to Rome today, two years after God told him that it was necessary and what a trip it is. There's going to be storms and drama and a shipwreck, bad human choices and God's promises. That's what we have today. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me as we dive today into episode 129, and we pray together through Acts chapter 27. But before we do that, we're going to start with a bit of worship. And to do that today, we're in Acts 27. And that's verse 25 through 26. That seems weird. This is short for two verses. I might have that wrong, but it would be close to that, I'm sure. (laughs) It's probably Acts 27, 25, and 26. Anyway, it says, So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me, but we have to run aground on some island. Now, this is Paul in the middle of a dramatic scene. We'll get to that later. But he's encouraging the men on the ship because God has made a promise and he believes that promise. So let's take that and go to God in prayer. Father, we can take courage because your promises don't depend on things like the weather. It doesn't matter if there is a storm raging around us. It doesn't matter if we can't see the stars and navigate where we are in life because you promise us. And your promises stand before anything else. You are dependable. You are the authority. You are sovereign over all the things in our lives. And you are always going to be there and always going to be the same. We can trust you and rely on you. And for that, we are grateful and we worship you this morning. We thank you that we have Paul's example of this courage and this reliance, even though you told him that things were going to get ugly. <laughs> like, you're going to have to run aground. The ship is destroyed. Things are not always good in our circumstances, but we can always look to you for encouragement, love, consistency, wisdom, You are always there. You are always the same. You are always sovereign and you are always trustworthy. And we worship you for those things this morning. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather together that not only do we have this technology that we can do this with, but that you, Jesus, have made it possible for us to lift these prayers before the Father and that we know that they are incense before him. So I pray that that would be true today, that these prayers that we lift before you, Father, would be pleasant for you, would be pleasing to you. Pray that you would work through these verses and open them to our understanding. That Spirit, you work them in our lives to help turn us into looking more and more like Jesus each day. Give me the wisdom and the thoughts and the ability to speak what you want me to say in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 27. This is a dramatic chapter, my friends. It's the beginning to uh, describing Paul's trip to Rome in these last two chapters of Acts. He's been hanging out, imprisoned in Caesarea for a few years, and now he's traveling again. And when they put into Sidon and Julius allows him to visit his friends, not only is this 
crazy lenient for a centurion to let his prisoner go off into the city when they went into harbor to switch over and add supplies and stuff. Crazy that he would allow him to do this. It also showed the level of respect that he had. He had a couple traveling companions that we will hear about, and the centurions and the others on board would have assumed that these were his servants. It's Luke, who is writing the book of Acts, and would have been seen as his personal physician and another servant. And so he's seen as a gentleman, given a lot of leeway for a prisoner. So not only that, that's kind of unusual that he would be given all that leeway, but these would have been the believers that he visits and the Gentile reason that Jesus visited when the Gentile woman asked him to heal her daughter from an evil spirit. And Jesus responded that his mission was to the Jews and it's not right to feed the children's food to the dogs. I don't know if you remember that story. And the woman replied to him that even the dogs ate the children's scraps. He then healed her daughter. But this and the other things that occurred on his venture into Tyre and Sidon foreshadowed his inclusion of the Gentiles in the family of Christ and all of Paul's ministry. And so we see him in this final chapter of Acts going to that same place and being ministered to by these believers. This whole trip was undertaken way too late in the season to be safe. The weather made the sea unnavigable for a portion of the year. So I think it was mid-November to mid-March. Travel and trade stopped for those winter months. And this particular trip got physically off course from the very beginning, way off course. And it went downhill from there. Now, when Paul says, you'll hear him say, you should have listened to me, it was probably a lot less about, I told you so, than about establishing his credibility. He's saying, look, I was right before you saw it. Now pay attention to what I have to say. He was really an experienced traveler, so he did have a lot of understanding of what he was talking about. And he had already been through three shipwrecks, but he also had the word of God on his side in this case. So the, one of the things that God said in, those, in, in talking to Paul was that everyone would be safe. Now, why? Why would he say that? Well, God wanted Paul's testimony in Rome to happen. So when Jonah was on a boat and his presence on his ship was dangerous for everyone because of his disobedience, Paul's presence here assures everyone's survival despite their own poor decisions. Toward the end of the chapter, some of the sailors are planning an escape, and they really just wanted to get to safety. But by abandoning the boat, that puts everyone at risk because they were the sailors. After all, they're the ones that know how to do the sailing. So Paul warns the centurion. And you can see this as a great example of the cooperation of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. God fulfills his promises, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to act in bringing them to fruition. In the final verses, we see Paul's presence again saving lives, this time the lives of the prisoners. And the kind of thing that's helpful to understand in those verses is that the soldiers were accountable for the delivery of the prisoners with their own lives. So killing the prisoners rather than allowing them to escape was actually saving their own personal lives. They thought that if they got to shore, they would run off and then they were going to be held accountable for their escape. That's way more background than I really intended to give you, and we need to get to prayer. So here is Acts 27. When it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion named Julius of the Imperial Regiment. When we had boarded a ship, a sh uh, this is going to be one of those days, maybe. And there are, <laughs> I should take a break here and say, there are a lot, a lot of names, <laughs> hard names to pronounce in this chapter. So I'm asking your grace on how well I do that. They, there may be some stumbling and some wrong pronunciations, but there's a lot of them. So bear with me. 
when we had boarded a ship of ad- adra- adramidum. <laughs> adramidum. <laughs> I did this four times. I could say it perfectly before. Adramidum. We put to sea, intending to sail to ports along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends to receive their care. When we had put out to sea from there, we sailed along the northern coast of Cyprus because the winds were against us. After sailing through the open sea off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we reached Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us on board. Sailing slowly for many days, with difficulty, we arrived off Nidus. Since the wind did not allow us to approach it, we sailed along the south side of Crete off Salamone. With still more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. By now, much time had passed and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Man, I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship, rather than to what Paul was saying. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. All right, let's stop there. Father, we often go into life and into kind of our world with a set of plans. This is what we hope to accomplish, and sometimes we know that we're kind of cutting it close. That's how this voyage would have been. They were really cutting the weather window close. And they probably should never have started the voyage. And I pray that when we're in situations like that, that we would listen to you and not into our desire to do or get or whatever reason we have for moving into those plans. I pray that we would be very sensitive to your voice about timing because it's so important. And once they got into this trip and all the dominoes started to fall and they got off course and that caused more problems and then... They had to sail in a different place than usual, and they got to this spot that where they could overwinter, but it wasn't a really good harbor, and the place was small, and I'm sure none of the sailors wanted to stay there. They'd rather get to the bigger city where they could spend a few months. Those dominoes come because of decisions made to push the envelope, and I just pray that when we get into those situations, that we are sensitive to your spirit and to wise counsel. Help us to take both into account. Julius treated Paul kindly when they got into Sidon, and I pray that we would be the kind of people who both treat others kindly and appreciate that kindness when it's shown to us, that we take time to acknowledge it. I'm not sure why, but this idea of kindness this morning has just been settling into my heart and how important it is for us to be kind and for us to receive kindness and show appreciation for it. So, I pray that you would make us into kind people. All right, let's keep going. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind called the Northeaster rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught, unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackles and girded the ship. Fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. 
Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night an angel of God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told me. But we have to run aground on some island. Father, we get ourselves into a mess and sometimes circumstances look like, oh, it's all going to work out. I won't have to bear the responsibility for my decisions. Unfortunately, that always comes around that we do have to bear responsibility for our decisions. And I pray that we just stay out of those circumstances, right? That we don't get into the mess to begin with. But when we do, and when hope is fading, I pray that we would take comfort in your promises and in your word to us. I pray that you would send us people, send us messages, send us scriptures, send us encouragement through other people. And I pray that we would also be obedient when we are that person in someone else's life. Paul had your angel that stood next to him who said, take courage because you must stand before Caesar and God has granted you the lives of all of those with you. That would have been encouraging for the men to hear Paul saying, look, I was right before and I'm going to be right now. Not only me, but I have, I have my God's promise that your lives will be spared, but we're going to face some difficulties. And I know that when we walk into situations, we often don't want to experience those difficulties, but they're part of life. And I pray that we would be dependent, that we would walk through our days dependent on God. All right, let's keep going. Scripture says, when the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea and about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings, found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little farther and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. And then, fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had to let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put anchors out from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, letting it drop away. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them, and after he broke it, he began to eat. They were all encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. After this, one more section. So let's pray. Father, these are circumstances that were difficult. It's not like this was some run-of-the-mill problem that we face in real life. They had gone 14 days without food. They had a raging storm. They relied on the stars and the sun to navigate, and they could not have any idea of where they were. 
they were in a mess and they have been told that they'll be rescued from that mess. So Paul gets up and says, take encouragement. Let's eat. We're going to need our strength for what comes next, which is their rescue. So let's eat and be encouraged. I think it's so interesting that one of the things it specifically says he did when he encouraged them to eat was to give thanks to God. They're in the middle of a mess. Their rescue hasn't happened yet. If you didn't believe Paul or his God, you had no reason to believe that anything was going to be okay. And yet Paul gave thanks. It's important for us to give thanks before the rescue in accordance with the promises of God. And so I pray that you would build that into our lives, that we would learn to approach your truth as if it's already happened and give thanks, that we would be thankful no matter what our circumstances looked like on the outside. It's not a little thing. Gratitude is not a small thing. And I pray that you would grow it in each of us. All right, the chapter closes out by saying this. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable, while the stern began to break up because of the pounding of the waves. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest were to follow, some on planks, some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Let's pray. Father, we make plans based on our circumstances when we should be making plans based on your promises. I pray that we would begin to see those things in our lives, that no matter what our circumstances look like, what seems like a good idea, that if you have told us something different, that we should be relying on your promises to make our own plans. Pray that you would grow that in us as well. And we see here at the end of the chapter, the results. Everyone safely reached the shore. Every single life was saved in a situation that looked disastrous if you were looking at it from the outside, from the human perspective. It looked impossible that everyone would be saved, but you fulfilled your promise. Not a life was lost. I pray that we would remember that this morning. Your promises will come true. They will come to pass. Even the fact that Paul is being saved on this trip to Rome is a result of your promise coming to pass. Help us recognize that no matter how awful our circumstances look, no matter how dark they seem, that your promise is a light that we can rely on. Amen. That's it for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining me with me. I know that went, I think it feel like it went extra long. If you're watching on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page, thank you for joining this broadcast. And we will be back again on Monday. We'll be back next Monday with the very last chapter. And... Paul actually getting to Rome. So I would love it if you would join us then. If you're a podcast listener, subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend allows us to reach more people and to have more voices join us in prayer. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. My heart is that as you and I do this, as we pray together twice a week, that God would use this time to direct your heart in your circumstances as he does mine and my circumstances, and that he answers these prayers in mighty ways. But 
My biggest prayer is that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us the words that we're speaking. Amen. Amen.